I uh, want to say a big hello to everyone here. And uh, I want to thank the team for having me. And uh, even though Pastor Dave and Beck are not uh, with us this morning, they are, Pastor Beck is at Toronto, Pastor Dave is at uh, Foster Tunkari. We've done a swapsy. And I just want to say a big thank you to them for having me. And uh, how good are your location pastors and how good are our senior pastors? A good life church. Um, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I want to say a huge good on you to everyone here today who are going, you know what, even in the season of COVID, we value the house of God and we value what this means uh, to you and your family. And, uh, and I think that's absolutely awesome and a great, uh, a great you know, stand to make. Uh, I also want to say to the people who are at home, it's fantastic that you're tuning in, that even though you can't be with us in our service live, uh, we're just so grateful you're with us on, uh, on uh, wherever you are, in your bedroom, your lounge room, uh, down by the beach. We're just stoked you're here with us as well. But like uh, Rachel said, that we're talking about red letters. We're trying to bring, we want to bring the red letters, the words of Jesus Christ to life in our life. And it's important because at the moment in society, there's a lot of mischaracterizations of the Bible. There's a lot of people reading the Bible and getting some pretty wild stuff. And because of it, I've met Christians who are way off. And I've heard people talk about stuff. I'm like, I don't remember reading that verse Oh, you based it off that verse. Wow. That was quite an effort to be that wrong. <laughs> You've worked really hard, I can see. And, uh, and you know, it, it's easy though to mischaracterise the Bible and then attack it, which is what most people do. People say stuff like, oh, well, the Old Testament is just a bunch of rules. We don't need that anymore. And you kind of go, well, that's not what the New Testament is. There's poetry. There's There's history. Um, there's, there's tales of what we should do and tales of what we shouldn't. There, there's, there, there's wisdom. There's, I mean, there's so much. I mean, for you just to go to the Old Testament, a bunch of rules. It's just easy though. It's, it's lazy hermeneutics. It's lazy theology. It's lazy thoughts. But people are doing it now because if you, if you can mischaracterise the Bible, it's very easy to write it off. Um, another one is that people talk about the Christianity is all about this, basically... You, it's the story of how to get to heaven. And, and really even that's not that true. Like sure, the Bible talks about how would we actually get to heaven. Um, but Matthew 6.10, when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray and what to pray for and the things that we should be praying for in our daily lives, you guys would know it. It's our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name, thy kingdom. And then it gets to verse 10 and goes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I would suggest if the, the goal of Christianity was to get to heaven, it would be our Father who art in heaven. Hope I get there one day. But it doesn't. It says our Father who art in heaven. I hope heaven gets here. And the reality of Christianity is that we are not saved to, to, to hold on until death. We're we not saved so that, you know, at age 20, we're like, well, I just hope I can keep this rolling so that I can get to the pearly gates and get let in. We are saved and our goal is to get heaven to earth, to get heaven in your life, to get heaven in your singleness. 
to get heaven in your family, to get heaven in your marriage, your work, in every aspect of your life, that heaven would encounter you and you through that would bring heaven to earth. The, the thing is that if, if you just want to get to heaven, it's actually quite simple. Like this isn't the hardest part of Christianity. Like if you want to go to heaven, it, it, it is about a place, coming to a place of repentance for your sin, um, where, you'll be, where you'll find from God forgiveness for the sin, grace to cover the sin, and, and, and it will lead to a relationship with God. And that's God's goal. That salvation would lead to a relationship with God. And, and to be honest, that small step, firstly, we're going to give that to you in a, in a moment. So if that's a decision you want to make, great, you've come to the right place. But, but, but also, it's, it's actually just quite a simple little thing to do. It's, it's, the, it's an easy choice. However, bringing heaven to earth... Have you watched the news? I would suggest that there's probably at times, especially depending on the news that you watch or if you watch news at all, there's, you would probably see hell on earth a whole lot more than you see heaven. And so if your goal is I want to I wanna be saved today, man, this is, this is going to be a simple step. This is going to be easy. But I tell you what, if your, if your goal is to bring heaven to earth, man, have we got a job ahead of us. And, and this is the challenge for us to, to actually do this because at the moment you look at humanity and you go, man, things are quite bleak. But I doubt the Bible would ask us to do something that is impossible. And I would suggest that, that the Bible is a, is a design, a template for us to bring heaven to earth in our life. And today, that's what I want to talk about. So how about we pray? God, we thank You that Your plan for this planet is not that we would just get off it. But Your plan for us, Your plan for this planet, Your plan for our friends, our neighbours, our city, is that it would be transformed and renewed to look like heaven. And so God, we thank You that we're not saved just to hold on until our dying day. We're saved that we would transform our cities and our communities. And God, I thank you for your power and your majesty. We thank you for your goodness and your love towards us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, one of my first jobs out of school was a flat pack furniture deliverer. When you go to uh, Amart these days, uh, you would go, hey, I like that covenant. I would like to purchase it. And when it arrives at your house or when you go to pick it up, you will not pick up the cabinet, you'll pick up five boxes. Yes? And then you will go and have a testing time in your marriage at home. You'll finish said cabinet and you'll have like, you know, five or six screws, four hinges and a whole bunch of little things that you don't know what they are left over and you start stressing, yes? Because you're like, are these meant to be in there? Or are they not? And so you start just putting screws in random spots because you think that's what you should do. Well, that was my job. Uh, the, the moment where you open up the box and the, the, the instructions are either uh, incomplete, missing or in another language, that was my job. And so my boss, he was, um, 
ah, oh, look, he, 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 the, the business kind of motto was we deliver furniture, not boxes. And so the key selling point was that, uh, you know, the, the elf out back, me, would make it and then we'd deliver to your place. And so um, we, we went through all the trials and, uh, and, and, and troubles of this. But one of the um, hardest cabinets we had to make uh, was a, a cabinet was all glass. Uh, with, with a little metal strip to hold in place and then a glass door with glass shelves. And in the top uh, was a light. And this was one of the more complex pieces of furniture we had to make. Um, and, and you would think though, that when you open up the box, that the light would come fully assembled, yes? Um, well, no. Um, we, we, we opened the box and here is the light in pieces. We got the cord, we got the switch, we got you know, the thing, we got this. And, then we're, and we're like... I don't know where things go in a light. I've never assembled, I'm not an electrician. So we went to our boss and we went, hey, look, you're gonna to need to get an electrician in to do this and make this because we don't know electronics. And, and he was trying to save a bit of money, small business trying to get off the ground. He goes, can't afford an electrician, you're gonna to have to do it. And so, uh, so we, we had to do what's known in science as trial and error. And... Uh, and so we assembled this thing as best as the incomplete instructions told us how to and put it there and turn it on and the light went. <laughs> we just found one of the many hundreds of ways that day that wasn't going to work. And so we're working away, we're blowing light bulb after light bulb, we're opening up all the other cabinets, pulling pieces out of them, trying to make this Frankenstein light bulb and, uh, and we just kept blowing them. Finally, we got to the point where we're like, we think this one works. Turn it on, it kind of worked, it's okay, yep, that's okay, we think this works. And so we, 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 this has been ordered, so we take it out to the customer and uh, we was just so stressed, we got it in. I mean, it's a difficult cabinet to deliver because it's just all glass anyway. Um, but we deliver it, we put it in the shop and we just were like, we're not turning, we'll just turn it on real quick, see the light works and turn it off and we're getting out of here. We do not want to be responsible for this situation. But sure enough, when we get into the office the next morning, there's a phone call on the answering machine. And, uh, and what had happened was the next morning when they turned it on and had been on for longer than 10 seconds, it had just exploded and shattered the glass cabinet. <sighs> Found another way that this doesn't work. We went back to the drawing board. We think we fixed it. We got a little transformer kind of thing. We plugged, plugged that in. We took it. But here's the thing. Now we'd blown up all our light bulbs. We had to go and buy another light bulb. We didn't know which one fitted because the light bulbs that we had didn't have any writing on them in English. So we didn't know what to buy. So we just bought the one that we thought was closest to the one that we thought. And so we deliver this to the next shop. Put it in, plug it in. They've got all the jewelry. They chuck it all in. They've got their little tags and all that kind of thing. And we left. And this time it didn't blow up. However, the next day we get a phone call and the light bulb we'd chosen wasn't good enough. And so uh, it just became really hot and created what we would best be described as like a combustion furnace inside this cabinet and had set on fire all their little paper tags throughout the whole cabinet because it had got so hot. The reality is that we really needed some directions. We really needed a template. We really needed a design that would work. Um, the Bible invests a lot of time in giving us quite prescriptive instructions in how to live. 
Um, it's quite prescriptive around behaviours that, 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 that make it very clear how we could bring heaven to earth. Um, today we're going to read from a, a book called Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy is part of the Torah one of the first five chapters of the Bible that all Israelites, everyone in Israel used to memorise by about the time they're 13. So everyone knew these, everyone learnt these and everyone kind of would be able to discuss these at length. And Deuteronomy is a special book because it was kind of Moses' final speech. He knew that it was his end of time, they were on the edge of the promised land and he knew that he wasn't going in. And so he had this kind of one last hurrah where he wanted to go, hey guys, last, last kind of captain chat. I, I, can I just spell a few things out for you? And, um, and, and, and the reality of it is, is it, it actually kind of, if you read it, looks a little bit like the speech you used to get before you go shopping as a kid. Do you remember this one? I know Pastor Dave talks often about how he used to do this with Sam, Josh and Joel, where he would go to the shopping mall and you walk straight past the fruit, straight past the veggies, all the way to the donut section. And you get the donuts and you put them in the trolley and you get down and you go, hey kids, how are you? Good dad. What are those? Donuts. Yes. Would you like one? Yes, daddy. Well, in order for you to get one of those, we're gonna do this shop and you're going to behave. What do those behaviours look like? Well, we're not going to fight. Good one. Are we going to have temper tantrums when I don't get the thing that you want? No, Daddy. Very well done. Now, what happens if you do those things? We don't get any donuts, Daddy. Well done. What do you get? Well, we get a warning. Yeah, and then? We get a smack. Mm-hmm. So today I place before you Donuts or smack? Your call. And then you go shopping. Pastor Dave shared about how he would get to the end of the shop and he'd just walk past the trail of parents dragging crying children through the aisles and all those kinds of things. And, 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 and they would look at him jealously as his children just held the trolley and just stared at the donuts going, I'm going to get one and go, how do you do it? <laughs> Bribery. If you're a parent or a future parent, make sure you remember that. But this is kind of what Moses is doing. So you see in, the, in, in this story that Moses, uh, sorry, in Deuteronomy, he, he talks about, uh, he, he covers the Ten Commandments. They're good. Um, famous, famous things like love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, all your strength. That's in Deuteronomy 6. He goes through it all. He talks about all different things that we need to remember in order to do this. And then he gets to Deuteronomy 11. And that's where we're gonna read a little bit this morning. And Deuteronomy 11.1 1 says this, Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws and His commands. That's a fun pitch, isn't it? Come and be Christian and then love law and love commandments and love decrees and love the... Uh, it's not the greatest pitch. Verse 8 though, if you start to read through it, you start to see... Moses starts to spell some things out. Verse eight says this, talk about, uh, sorry, observe the commands and will lead to strength and long life. Verse 13 says, faithfully obey God and He will provide. 
Verse 16, I'm obviously summarising these, these Scriptures. Be careful to do the right thing or worship other gods. Uh, sorry, or, and don't worship other gods or God's anger will burn. Why? People are like, oh man, God. See, this is the Old Testament God. He's just an angry God. Another great mischaracterization because we can just wipe him off really easy. See, God of the Old Testament is angry. He says, if you, if you worship other gods, I'm going to be angry. What's wrong with worshiping other gods? It's such a jealous, angry, petty God. Welcome to Ricky Gervais 101. Well, the other gods to worship, then you would have to sacrifice children. Now, I would suggest if you watch children get sacrificed and you don't get angry, there's something wrong with you. I don't think that's a petty God. I think that's a good God. In fact, I'd say if he didn't get angry about it, he couldn't be good. So it's pretty prescriptive. Verse 22, be careful to observe the commands. And if you do, God will fight for you. Verse 26 is where we'll get to this, wrapping up this, 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 this part. See, I'm setting before you a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, that I'm giving you today. And the curse, oh, see that Old Testament God, here he goes again, cursing people. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away, uh, from, turn away from the way that I command you today uh, by following other gods which you have not known. I look at this and go, well, it's quite prescriptive. Man, if we even just got a couple of these right, we'd probably be better off. Like, if you just look into the Ten Commandments, Oh, you know, the Old Testament's all about rules. Okay, well, how about we just go to the Ten Commandments and we just pick one, like don't murder. And, and imagine if we just said, hey, eight billion people on planet Earth, we're just going to aim for one thing this year. We're just not going to kill anyone that doesn't want to be, like, you know, like, we're, we're not going to murder people. Like, if they say, like, they're going, you know what I mean? We're just not going to kill people, flat out. That's the rule for just one year. Do you, do you think our planet would just be slightly better that year? Like we can't even get that one thing right. And we, I, I know this seems dry, right? Pitching, how good are rules? But I, I'm, I'm going to suggest that if we were to get this right, the world would be a better place. We could pick another one. Do not com commit adultery. I would suggest if we just aim to get that one right in society, just for one year, it would really help. We would see a marked difference in this year. But we, we look at this Old Testament, we go, oh, all these roles and all these things, and we, we, people love to mischaracterise and write it off and, and go, you know what? I, I don't like the Old Testament. I find it hard to read, you know, all these kinds of things. I like the New Testament God. I like the New Testament writing. I like Jesus way better. Why? Because He's just way more just chill. He's more vibe, like the New Testament is just more vibey. It's more like cool, like it's heaps more quotable, like, you know, like, you know, Instagram post, do not murder. It's not like, it, I don't get as many likes for that one as I would for other ones. And so we look at these New Testament, we look at the Old Testament, we look at the Ten Commandments, we look at these things. And even though we go, man, if we follow that, the world will be a better place. We kind of push it away to the side because it's, it's just not exciting. 
It's just not great. And we cling to the New Testament going, well, well, this, this is heaps more, it's heaps less prescriptive, heaps more tweetable, heaps more Instagram post worthy. But how about we go and have a look at some and just see what it actually says. Let's go some red letters and have a look at Matthew 5. And we're gonna read about the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus talking because it's in red letters. And, um, and, and it's one of the most famous kind of messages, uh, speeches in human history. It'd be, it'd be up in, at least in the top five, I would say, in terms of human history, messages. And, and Jesus started this message speaking about blessing. He started by speaking about uh, how, how God actually and who God reigns His blessing upon. He starts with a thing called the Beatitudes. They're the attitudes and values that lead to blessing. So get this, in verse three of chapter five, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. We could use a few more of those people around. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Could use a few of them. For they will be children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Well, quite the start. Like it's kind of exciting that he's talking about blessing. And I'm like, keen to be blessed, you know, like super duper, neato gang. But notice how he's saying being blessed is not about the absence of issues. Like to be blessed, I would have thought it would be, if I'm blessed, that I would have zero problems. But the Bible's definition of blessing is not that you'd have zero problems, but that heaven would invade your reactions. That there'd be a transformation of how you respond to these things. Some of the things he actually mentions are quite nasty. You're blessed when you are persecuted. You're blessed when people insult you and persecute you. And I, I would say the blessing would be that that doesn't happen, but the Bible doesn't define it like that. And so blessing is not the absence of issues is that heaven will infiltrate even your toughest moments. And it would not only be a blessing for you, but the people around you. But here's the other thing. Notice the blessing came as a result of you getting your choices right, despite others getting their choices wrong. I, I, I run a youth ministry on Foster, at Foster Tuncurry. And the amount of times that people go, I punch someone. Why? Because they punch me first. How many times do you hear people and commentary today in the world where if one person does something wrong, it's like a free ticket. It's hall pass to have the filthiest, dirtiest reaction you can. And, and here's the thing, this blessing from heaven is, this blessing from God actually doesn't say that thing, bad things won't happen. I won't say that hurt won't come. It actually is just saying the blessing will come to you when you let heaven invade your life. 
invade your choices, invade your responses, invade even your darkest day. Verse 12, therefore, off the back of this in Matthew 5 through to 16 covers that if we were to do this, there would be a large difference between the way that Christians live and others. And, and, and highlights this and goes, that's a good thing. It, it, it's, it's quite a challenge though, because as Christians, sometimes we don't like to stand out. But the Bible's saying, hey, like, live this and you will actually stand out. And that we need to therefore stand strong in that design and embrace the, the light, embrace the spotlight that actually is happening. Verse 17 is interesting through to 20. Because it's basically Jesus going, hey, we're going to, I just want to remind you that this isn't, this isn't anything new. This is Old Testament. This is the design that's always been here. And we actually need to stick to it. Listen to this. It says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Oh, okay. You know that bit where we're like, we need to do over the Old Testament because it's not as vibey as the New Testament. Uh, he's kind of like flipping that on its head. He goes, I've not come to abolish the, the, them, the, the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, until uh, heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands, which commands is he talking about? The Old Testament commands. He goes, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law good at? Following very strictly the commands and the law. And he's going, I want you to do better than them. Shivers. Not by doing exactly what they did, but by having the heart transform. Sorry, not by just doing away with what they did or not just by doing and copying what they did, but by actually having the heart transformation that goes with it. Jesus is saying it's not enough just to do the stuff and fake outer transformation or fake transformation of your heart by just doing the things that you think will prove to other people that you've had a heart transformation, but that we would actually have a radical outworking of God's design out of an inner transformation in our life. God's saying it's not enough to just not murder someone. He's going, I want you to get to the point where you don't even want to including in Newcastle traffic, when you get cut off. But what does this mean? That things haven't changed since the Old Testament. That there is a design that God gave to humanity that brings heaven to earth, that brings blessing to earth. And, 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 and that we are called to actually follow this life. He then addresses some of these key, key examples. He, he, he actually starts to pull apart this design and go, hey, I, I, I want you to see this. So he covered things like murder. Then he goes, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder. Well, I say, even if you think hate and you think that you want to murder someone in your heart, you've already, it's just as bad. 
And we are now called, a, we, we're called to account for every thought in our head. That's a challenge. That's a challenge to our society. That, that's a challenge to you and me. He talks about adultery. He goes, it's not enough that you wouldn't sleep with someone that's not your wife. And by the way, when you're single, you can sleep with someone that does, that's not your wife. You can sleep with people that are other people's wives. They just don't know it yet. And it's just as bad. But he goes, it's not enough just not to do it. He goes, you're called to account if you think it. This is surpassing the behavior modification that the Pharisees were doing where they were like, well, as long as I don't do it, I, you know, you can't prove me wrong. And God goes, wrong. Because I'm going to call you to a righteousness of thought and a righteousness of intent and a righteousness of heart. He covers things like divorce. He covers things of sexuality. He covers things of marriage and God's specific design for marriage. He covers keeping your word. He covers how to act when you've been mistreated. He covers loving your enemies. And in verse 48, he wraps up this kind of section by saying this, be perfect. Be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah, Old Testament God was way chill. <laughs> New Testament God is heaps, just more relaxed, way more vibey. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's actually saying we're designed for holiness. He's actually saying that there's a de- by living the design that He's handed us will lead to holiness. Holiness is missing in our world. Holiness is missing in our city. Holiness, though, is the behaviour of heaven. It's the actions that bring blessing to you and those around you. Jesus then goes on in chapter 6 and starts to get even more practical. He covers things like how to pray, how to look after the poor, He covers integrity, that you would do things for the right reasons, not just to impress people, but to impress God. He's even calling to account the good stuff you do in your life. Are you doing it for the right reasons? He talks about trusting God. He covers anxiety. He covers finances. He covers making sure your whole life is God-orientated. Chapter 7, verse 1, starts with talking about dealing with your stuff as the rite of passage towards dealing with other people's stuff. If, if you see a speck in someone else's eye, how about you deal with the log in your own? It doesn't say not to deal with the speck. It just says, make sure that you're dealing with your own stuff. In verse 7, it starts to change a bit, bit of gear. It starts to talk about God's nature, His goodness, that we need to trust in Him. He goes this, in verse seven, uh, sorry, in, uh, sorry, in verse nine, it changes a bit of gear. It goes, which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give you a stone? If you asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you were evil, going, we're imperfect human beings. 
even you could get that right, even if you could know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? This is, this is not about everything you ask of God, He's gonna give you. This is about God trying to teach, Jesus was trying to teach us about the heart of God and the integrity of God and the goodness of God. Why? Because He's just talked about all this way to live and now He's going, you need to trust me that if you live like this, it will actually end up good. Verse 15, it then covers, sorry, verse 13, it starts going, what I've just told you is hard. No, duh. You've just told me that I need to be as perfect as the Heavenly Father. But He describes this life like finding a narrow path and that not many people like to walk along it. Not many people find it. Not many people make it through. But it leads to blessing. I would... I would suggest that the previous two chapters and probably even what we read in Deuteronomy is a narrow path that not many people will walk. Not many people are putting their hand up to be called, a, called to account for every thought. Not many people are keen for that kind of accountability. It's a narrow path. In fact, he says, the other ways are a wide path and many are on it. He's trying to make it really clear to us that this is actually not, what he's saying is not gonna be the easiest way to live. But verse 15, he then starts to warn us about getting off track. He goes, hey guys, you gotta realise that if you don't do this, there is, there is consequences. And verse 24, he wraps it up with the famous story of the wise and the foolish builders. He said, everyone who hears these words, this is in verse 24, and puts them, hears these words and puts them into practice. Man, I've heard a lot of preaching. I haven't always put into practice. But he goes, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, what a blessing. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain comes, the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. That's a curse. Jesus is echoing the words of the Old Testament. He's echoing Deuteronomy 11, going, I place before you a blessing and a curse. Your call. You follow what I ask you to do and the life that I've called you to live and it will bless you. It will bless your friends. It will bless your family. It will bless those around you. If you don't, there will be consequences and it will probably be a curse unto you and the people around you as you go through and as you face those things. He's calling us and saying to us that we have a choice. Follow His design expect His results or follow another design and expect different results. Jesus is making it clear that He's designed our lives for a purpose and He's got a design which our lives are called to look like. 
we have to understand that we have been designed by God. He designed the world and then surely we can trust Him that He would design the perfect life for us. And the crux of this is that this is nothing new. That this is all the way from the Old Testament into the new. Jesus wasn't creating this new thing. I remember hearing when, when, when Jesus said, what is the great, when they asked Him what the great commandment was, He goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And I was like, man, Jesus is so wise. He just made up this brand new thing and like popped off the top of His head. No, He was just quoting the Old Testament. I look at Jesus' life and all the cool things that He did. And, all, and, it, and, and when they go, how'd you come up with this all new stuff? He just actually just did what the Old Testament asked Him to do. He fulfilled it. He actually just did it. The Bible is super clear. If you wanna go to heaven, repent. Have a relationship with God. You get to go to heaven. But if you want it to bring heaven to earth, you wanna be blessed. You wanna have this life which actually transforms your world and transforms your existence then you've actually got to do life the way God designed us to do it. It's your choice. There are a lot of Christians out there who, who are not blessed. God, I, I just, I don't know why. I, don't, I just don't know why my relationships don't work out. Well, you're not doing them God's way. How could He bless that? There's no, there's, you're not being obedient to it. How could He actually... Bless that. The heart of God is to bless His children, but He wants to make it, but He's made it clear how to actually be blessed. And He spells it out. That's why He sent Jesus, that Jesus actually did the Old Testament. And voila, look at all the amazing things that are happening around us. Look at what a blessing He was to the people. Look what, look what an incredible life He led of blessing and bringing heaven to earth. Why? Because He just followed the Old Testament, Matthew 5 to 7, is Jesus reiterating with clarity, it wasn't anything new, He just lived it. He was showing that we don't need to recreate the wheel. He just wanted to show how it worked. And everything Jesus did and taught was showing us the way to live and that by living it was the key to us being a blessing to our world by bringing heaven to our planet. There's a life that we can live today that will bless our planet and bless our streets and bless our workplace that brings heaven to our city and heaven to your marriage and will actually take us firstly knowing what the Bible says how can you live it if you don't know what it is the second thing is just plain obedience and just going God I trust you God, if you want me to live like this, God, I'll do it. I will live this life. And the challenge for us here today is for us to step into the radical outworking of what the Bible asks us to do. The question we have to ask today of ourselves is, will I bring heaven to earth? Will I actually do this and live this life today that will bless our community? Come on, how about you bow your heads? Close your eyes. However you quieten yourself. 
God, today we want to bring heaven to earth. We want our lives and our hearts and our world to be transformed. And so God, we accept the challenge. I just feel like God's going to speak to some people here about areas that need transforming. Come on in this moment. How about you just allow God to speak to you about the areas of your life that He wants to work on, that He wants to renew, that He wants to transform. Some people here, there may be some areas of your life that haven't been in line with His Word and they haven't brought heaven to earth for you. They haven't brought blessing to you. God's just pointing those areas out and going, those areas are actually bringing you down. They're actually tearing down the goodness of God. They're tearing down this, this picture that I want for you. God's just talking to some people right now. God, today, we're listening. And God, we want to we cling to your design for our life because we know that it's what's best for us. We know that it's what's best for our city. We know that it's what's best for our family. So God, today, we want to be people who know your design by studying your Word. But we want to be people who don't just know it, but we radically do it. God, that we would be like the wise builder who actually doesn't just hear it, but they actually do it. God, we thank You right now that You're moving on our hearts and our lives in a powerful way.